Welcome to That's All, a weekly debrief about anything and everything happening in fashion and pop culture with Cozzy and Em. I'm Cozzy. And I'm Em. And welcome to 2024, babe. It's a new year, it's a new dawn, it's a new day, it's a new life. We're welcome. here, we're here to slay and tell you things. Thanks for coming along for the ride. Yeah. How was your break? Mine was good. I finished work just before Christmas and was sort of in town, around town, out of town, went up the coast, went down the coast. All the things. All the things. What about yourself? I went back to Brisbane to see my family, which was cute. really, really nice. Always and cute. It's been a new year. <laughs> it's, been a, it's been a new year. We're, what, nine days in? We've lived lives. We've lived We've lives. We've lived whole lives right now, I swear to God. But what did you read, watch, consume over the break? that you can recommend for us? I had planned on reading and watching a whole lot over the break and just didn't end up doing it. You know, when you're just kind of everywhere and nowhere at all and then the totally. only downtime you have, you just want to sit on your phone. Oh my God, yeah, you just have to you have to scroll. You're just a little slave to the phone. I get it, that I get me. it. Um, but I did finish Good Material by Dolly Alderson. I have yet to read it. I need to read it for my book club that we haven't started yet, but the first one is going to be Good Material. So start with get on it. Did you like it? I loved it. And I love yeah. everything I love she her. writes. I'm not particularly a fan of coming of age novels in the traditional sense, but I feel yeah. that she writes that real like lost, there's no right or wrong or up or down Experience. This is where we differ because I love a coming of age. Like I'm a classic Bildungsroman girly. I like this more like Dolly Alderton's cynical take where it's like no one can save you. It just, it's just going to happen. Brace yourself, gals. Yeah. Here's the lowdown on human relationships. Good luck. Have fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I feel if you've read Dolly Alderton before, it's pretty similar to that in that she writes what she knows and but from this is from a guy's perspective isn't it it is which i kind of love i feel like she'd do a neurotic man very well very witty very funny and she researched and interviewed like a dozen men before writing the books to kind of get their take on those dynamics and relationships and that kind of thing so yeah really enjoyed it it is a breakup book from the perspective of a guy so i'm intrigued i haven't read like many i feel like all of the breakup books and stuff are always the girls which makes total sense, obviously. I found it really fun to read a book that touched on like male friendships because you never see that. And yeah, on this pod, we love when men get together and do things. We do. It's one of our favorite things. This is why we? Why do we talk about Ocean's Eleven? We love when they do things. We love we when imagine. they do things. Oh my god, I'm getting like sweaty and happy just talking about it. <laughs> we love so. when men do things together. Congrats to the men. Yeah. Because so. they don't get congratulated enough. <laughs> So <laughs> that's what I read. Highly, highly recommended. It, easy, easy read. That's really fun. Loved it. That's so what good. about you? I read many books. They were really fun, but I will like put them in a different show notes thing. Or there's too many to go through on here. But I watched a very fun Netflix show called Fool Me Once, which was very silly and very fun about a woman whose husband is murdered like several months before or whatever but then she sees him on the nanny cam in her house how did he get there bum 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 and it's based on a harlan coben book and he writes really good mysteries and he's got this big deal with netflix and blah 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 blah. and i watched that with my dad and that was really fun we were both kind of hypothesizing about what the heck was going on so i watched that that was fun and then i also read this is a bit of a controversial one but i read the op-ed in the New York Times about Taylor Swift. I know I have to bring it up. I'm sorry. It took years off my life. I know. I'm sorry. I have to bring it up because I saw it and I was like, I'm having an aneurysm and I sent it to like four people immediately. (laughs) And I thought it was a really 
a dense but interesting read. I know not everyone feels that way, but it's basically this big op-ed concerning potential queer coded messaging in Taylor Swift's songs and actions. But I was like, I'll just do it as a as a recommendation so I don't rant. I knew all of it already. I was, I was like, tick, 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 tick. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Yes, yes, yes. But I thought it was really interesting and she delved into the whole thing. Like there was this, there's this whole theory that when Taylor recorded the Lover album or like around the release of the Love album that she was allegedly potentially going to come out. But then the um, sales of the masters impacted that. And it's like whether or not she was going to come out as gay or bisexual, like who knows. But and doesn't matter either way, whatever. Or she could come out as straight. We don't know. Talked about that as well, which I have not ever seen in a mainstream publication, like not off TikTok or like blogs. And it was full on too. It was like 5,000 words. It was a hefty girl. It was. Yeah, I didn't expect it from the New York Times. I didn't expect it either. It was really, yeah, an intensive kind of look at her oeuvre from a queer perspective. And there's been loads of backlash against New York Times, like loads of backlash from people and from her team as well. But I thought it was interesting. There were some interesting comments being like saying, because Taylor is so into like Easter eggs and coding things generally, that people were like, because Taylor's entire career is built around theories, she encourages her fans to look into everything. It's not far-fetched for people to assume this when she's taking queer language and imagery and using it in her music and videos. And I'm like, yeah, big agree. And then another person said, um, Taylor has explicit and subtle queer references in her art and encourages interpretation of said art going so far to say listen to what I write in all my songs speculating that all her songs are about men is the same thing and it's like she puts what she puts in her songs and her videos and she easter eggs a lot and obviously it's like it's not good to speculate on people's sexuality but I think when it's such a big thing in her songs and her career and her life I think it's interesting and I'm also nosy which is a bad thing it's bad of me to be nosy don't be nosy but I am. If you weren't nosy, you wouldn't be here. So Yeah, if you weren't nosy, you wouldn't be here. And I've spoken to many people about this and you would be surprised at how many people agree about Absolutely. it. And even Jennifer Lawrence is on it. That, remember that video when she's like, I just want to know what's going on with Taylor Swift and Carly Class. And it's like, don't we all, babe? Don't we all? Literally, don't we all? If I could know one thing, it would be that. Maybe not that, but like around that. But yeah, so I read that and that was really interesting. Anyway, but speaking of Taylor Swift... An award show that she was at this past few days, the Golden Globes happened. The, our first award of award season. Yeah, a big A big one, a big one. A long ass day. It was a long day. A rough watch. I sat down and did the full enchilada yesterday. I was working while I was working. I did have it on mute majority of the time because it was so painful to watch. Oh boy. So basically we're gonna kind of do this in a couple of different ways. I'm gonna give you some context. We're going to talk about the ceremony and then we're going to get into our favorite winners and of course the fashion but um the golden globes are a pretty kind of controversial and sort of pissed on like award show and organization everyone kind of laughs at them they're not really taken particularly seriously they're kind of seen as the sort of drunken cousin of the oscars um because it's one of, i think it's like the only award show where you can drink which I can't believe. Oh, personally. really? I'm like, sure you can drink at the SAGs or the Critics' Choice Awards. Yeah, or just like you get one champagne. Like Love Island, yeah. you get like one cocktail. Do they get it. one cocktail? I feel like they are con- Do they only get one cocktail in Love yeah, Island? Yeah, they're like limits. Really? Yeah. Oh, they don't have limits normally. Like The Bachelor and stuff. Yeah, that's why things go manic. I think Love yeah. Island, the energy just gets to them. 
Yeah, I mean, it's the, you know, no your Tropicana, like you're just wearing bikinis the whole time. I also would be hyper. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so basically it's got this kind of reputation as a kind of scrappy, trashy awards show. And there was a big investigation into the Hollywood Foreign Press Association, which is the kind of body of the Golden Globes. They're the ones who vote for the awards. And there was a big investigation in um, at the LA Times that exposed a huge lack of diversity in the association and it raised concerns about the ethics and the financial practices of the association. Basically there were less than a hundred members. So there were 87 members who were basically a group of international journalists, super random, Mm. like super, I didn't know how random it was. And they're basically, they were very, very receptive to being wooed by studios. So you kind of, they're not real awards because it's basically all rigged. Yeah. Which I feel like my dad had told me for years, but I just refused to believe it because I was like, no, dad, they're real awards and mm-hmm. Hollywood would never be rigged. And I'm like, now I'm like, oh, you idiot. Like, it's very schmoozy. It's so schmoozy. And so this is tiny award, tiny kind of group of international journalists. And then this investigation happened. Then Hollywood kind of collectively shunned the awards. Tom Cruise returned his trophies because he's a paragon of like conscience. <laughs> and then NBC took the show off. Um, for the year it was only online like people could accept their awards but there was no ceremony now there's been a huge set of um, reforms that have remade the awards they've dissolved the Hollywood Foreign Press Association turned it into a for-profit enterprise the show is now on CBS it's very very different now allegedly um now the nominees this year were picked by a new voting body of 300 journalists from 75 countries and it's all a lot more diverse and a lot more kind of inclusive and hopefully a lot more or less rigged. Um, but apparently it was super random. Like it was from people all over the world. And then there was one person who was the former Hollywood Foreign Press president who's from India, but she represented Singapore. Then there was another former Hollywood Foreign Press associate president who was from the Netherlands. But at one point he represented Australia and Cuba and the Netherlands. So I'm like, what's the point of this? Yeah, you know, just small, tiny countries that are very similar. Yeah, so it's a bit of a bit of a rogue history. So you kind of come into it thinking it's a bit of a joke. And then this year it was an actual joke because the host was so terrible. Like Joe Coy, he's this comedian who's like a panelist on Chelsea Lately, like the um, Chelsea Handler. And he's done a bunch of like Netflix and Comedy Central specials. And he was given the gig with basically no notice. He had like 10 days to write the show and watch everything. And which I find insane that he only had 10 days to do this. Like it's one of the biggest nights of the year. I don't get why the why this wasn't organized earlier. No, and it seems a bit funny. I'd never heard of him. I'd never heard of him either. And now no one will hear about him again because he was so shit. Yeah, poor bugger. Why couldn't they get anyone better? I know, this is the thing. But I feel like probably no one wants to do it because there's been a lot of backlash against Joe Coy because his monologue was like six and a half minutes of like pure trashing people. so bad. And then every like, like he kept coming out on stage like less and less. Mm. You just knew that like everyone knew what was happening. It was really, really bad. And like I had it on mute because he came out and the first like 30 seconds I was like, this is not it. And then I turned it on mute and like kept working. And then my dad was like texting me intermittently and he was like, this guy is shit house. And I was like, I don't even oh, have God. it. I can't even hear him. And I'm glad I can't. He kind of like came out and did these kind of jokes that didn't really land. And then he threw his writers under the bus. He was like, oh, well, some of these jokes weren't even written by me. But the ones you're laughing at are the ones that I wrote. That is 
such low-hanging fruit. Such a dodgy move. Six months after the writers' strike. I'm like, my kings and queens just came off strike. They're trying their best. It feels like a bit of a comedy sin to be like, oh, you're not laughing? This one wasn't me. I also think it's such a, like, dog move. Like, it's such, it a, it's such a poor loser or, like, a sore loser's game. You're you're all in this together. Like, just admit that you're delivering shit. And I want to know how restrictive it is in that. Could he have gone off script? Because if it was that bad, would they have thanked him? If he went off script? But could he even go off script? Like, does he even... He's not Ricky Gervais. Like, do do you think that he would really have the capacity to go off script? And typically, the Golden Globes are quite self-deprecating. Like, it's a roast. It's a roast. Like, Ricky Gervais got up there and made jokes about Jeffrey Epstein. Yeah. Which was so good. That was my favorite year. Tina Fey and Amy Poehler, also brilliant good. job. Also good. And I thought Jared Carmichael last year was good. He made jokes about like the lack of diversity and stuff. Like at least it was kind of like on the ball and funny. But this was like so shit. He made these terrible jokes about Barbie, which I'm not even going to repeat because it was terrible. And then this really bad joke about Taylor Swift that was just now has become a meme. Um, but... There was an article in Vulture that uh, the headline was Joe Coy's Golden Globes monologue might send writers back on strike. Let him go. <laughs> Some of, and I feel like it's, you know, really hard for comedians, obviously commanding a room versus commanding a room of celebrities is of very different. Especially at a time when he would know that he's not just catering to the people in the audience he's catering to a world that does not care about this award yeah show. no one cares i care but not like not a lot of people care gotta be honest no one real cares and no one real cares but some of the coverage like it was so funny one of the guys from vanity fair david canfield he was in the room and he goes if you're wondering if that played as bad in the room as it did probably on tv meaning the monologue the answer is yes i mostly saw eyes darting around tables in confusion wondering if they were supposed to be laughing and i'm like Whoa. Yeah. And then the media reporter from the New York Times, Nicole Sperling, tweeted, wow, we never seen an audience rebel against an MC so quickly. One prominent director just couldn't keep his opinion quiet. They all showed up. They are all here. And this is what they give us. This is a disaster. Wow. And Richard Lawson as well. Like there was a lot of kind of chat around the ceremony generally and like the vibe, mm. I've got to be honest, it was pretty lifeless mm. and it was pretty like by rote, like there would be two people and then someone would be like, I love your work. And then they'd be like, ha oh, ha thanks. And it would just be really awkward. And then they'd be like, oh, I guess we better present the winner now. It's very mechanical. Very mechanical. And I'm like, you're all actors, literally paid to make it look easy. Yeah. Why do you, why are you also stiff? Why are we also uncomfortable? And I get it. Yeah. I so get it. It just, it wasn't a good move. No. Globes. Richard Lawson, who's from Vanity Fair, said it was a sour, seemingly deathless few minutes for the monologue. So bleak and awkward, I was ready to deem the entire evening a disastrous, perhaps fatal dud. And he said, a cynical grasping ceremony is nothing new for the Globes, but this year felt particularly desperate. The HFPA scrambled this year and what resulted was a messy, irregular program that may have honoured worthy winners, but undermined the grandeur these things are supposed to evoke. Which I think is like interesting because I do think that a lot of the winners were new they were newcomers not newcomers but like newcomers to the globes they'd never won before yeah and lots of people that say my parents wouldn't recognize yeah which that made me really happy I find use of the word grandeur interesting because do we want that? I mean, I mm-hmm. I like it personally because I like when people get dressed up in a fancy. Yeah. But it does seem kind of unhinged at the moment. 
It's very like Hunger Games, you know, when it's like everyone it gets dressed up and parades around and it's like the world's fucking burning. Yeah. But I'm also like, that's what culture is. You've got to dress up and celebrate stuff when the world's burning. Otherwise, what's the point? There's a fun to it. But for me, it's just very at odds with like social media culture and the way we're also quote unquote candid and yeah. spontaneous and the exact opposite of by the book like this mm. show was. But like... Okay, so the Golden Globes is like a bit old, bit dottery, whatever. But like, have you watched the Grammys? That's supposed to be like yeah. for the youth. And that's about 10,000 times worse. But I do I do still enjoy the awards ceremony. I think it's because I came from a television background where it was like the most important morning of my year <laughs> was like the Met Gala and the Oscars, yeah. which is insane. It's amazing. It's not like a source of trauma. I mean, it kind of the Met Gala was traumatizing, um, which I won't talk about on here. But there were a lot of good winners. Mm. So who were you really excited about? And were you sad at anyone who missed out? What was your vibe? For me, winners-wise, my standouts were Ayo Debris and Kieran Culkin. I just think they are such wonderful humans and I just want to give them both hugs. They seem so genuine. I'm saying that, understanding that parasocial relationships exist, whatever. No, but I think they are genuine because I do actually think that um, Ayo is like, she's she's one of the girls. She is a regular person, like... I get it. I trust that after that, she went home and scrolled on TikTok before falling asleep. Oh, she saw, she's seen edits of herself and been like, oh, yeah. yes. <laughs> I also was very happy for Stephen Young. So I haven't seen Beef. I haven't seen Beef. Loved Did you Walking watch Walking the Dead? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Walking the Dead. Walking. The Walking Dead. <laughs> Zombies on leashes. And he just has a special place in my heart. Oh, I think he's a brilliant nice. actor. And Lily Gladstone was the first yeah. Indigenous person to win a Golden Globe for Best Actress. Big hats off to her. That was for... Killers of the Flower Moon. Yeah. Have you seen that? No. With what time? Yeah, it's like three hours long. My guy, Scorsese's got to stop making these long-ass movies. Yeah, and Christopher Nolan. I watched Oppenheimer. That was different, though, because I feel like you have to say that at a cinema. But Killers of the Flower Moon, I feel like you don't have to. Or maybe you yeah. do, I don't know. I don't know. I watched it over a couple of nights because... Killers of the Flower Moon? No, Oppenheimer. Really? I had to split it up. Really? I think three hour plus long movies should be illegal. I get tired easily. I, I cannot watch a long ass movie. I, that's why I had to go to the movies to see it. You have to force yourself to sit down. I mean, yeah. I made a whole night of it though. This was like, that was like a self date. It was a whole For thing. me, I loved it. It was a whole experience. But it paid off because Killian Murphy won Best Actor. And I'm really glad to know that it's finally, it's confirmed that it is Killian. Because for so many years in my mind, I'm like, Cillian. You never know with the Irish. I'm really glad that Killian Murphy won. And he went out with a lipstick on his nose and it was really cute. And I was really glad that Robert Downey Jr. won. Also yeah. loved him for years. Yeah. Yeah, I like Robert Downey Jr. I just like, he's a comeback. He's, more a, to say. he's a comeback story. Yeah. I enjoy him. He's doing his bit. He did his Marvel bit. Now he's Yeah, now he's back to being a serious actor. On the big guns. Yeah. Condolences to Bradley Cooper. Oh, yeah. How pissed off do you reckon he is that he didn't win anything? A little bit sad. When he's like, you read articles that he's like, I waited four years to get this one shot in Maestro and like I spent six years learning how to compose. It's not over yet though because the Oscars are still no. And it there. is Oscar bait. Like, we can Oh, 100% wait it's Oscar bait. <laughs> he is, his whole career is definition of Oscar bait. It is. Or like but... his directing, yeah. like his auteur career. His artist career. Like not his hangover work. I loved him when he was just a jaded douchebag frat boy. Me too. I think his two best roles were in The Hangover and in The A-Team, which no one else saw, but it was a great movie. If you haven't watched The A-Team, you should go watch it. He has really good chemistry with um, Jessica Biel, which I never thought Um. I would say about anybody, but (laughs) 
it's really good. I love his frat boy douchier. I loved him in Failure to Launch. Oh my god, yeah, he's, he's the, the best, best boy. <laughs> he's the best friend. That and Wedding Crashes when he's the full-on frat. Oh my god, and boy. they give him the laxatives. I'll never forget that scene. Yeah, he's had a he's, he's had, had a career. real career. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, this is the thing. He's he's transcended. He's like, I know what it's like to be fifth on the call sheet. Not not doing that again. Now he's he's in it. Yeah. He did receive backlash for the nose. Yeah, he wore a prosthetic nose to portray Leonard Bernstein, mm. who is Jewish, and it, it's been referred to Jew face, which is very stereotypical. But and also, his children were involved with the production of the film. They said it was like, do, do you know what I mean? I don't even think they needed it. Like Bradley Cooper has a very distinctive nose to begin with. I'm also I'm of the belief that it just. It wasn't necessary. Like I, unless you're in the crown, I I don't think actors need to exactly resemble the person they're portraying. No. Like, yes, it can add to the story. Like Rami Malek as Freddie Mercury or Margot Robbie as Tonya Harding. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> like, uh, but but it's like when you, you like you can't have someone play Freddie Mercury without the big teeth. You do, you can't. Their looks are part of the performance. Yeah. Whereas Bradley Cooper has a big nose. I don't Actually, think they never needed really it. Actually, his nose, to be honest. It's just a bit beaky. It's not, it's oh, okay. not round okay. like the prosthetic. No, I'm going to not be able to stop thinking about it. Um, but yeah, I felt kind of bad for him. I mean, yeah. poor little mum. Why didn't he bring Gigi? I did. You robbed us, Bradley. I know, and then they went out for dinner afterwards. I was like, bro, can you not? Is she coming to the Oscars or what? But yeah, I felt really sad for him. I wish that um, Eben Moss, cousin from The Bear, had won. But, um, you know... He was still nominated. And the bear still won, like, majority of their awards. Question. Yeah. Is the bear a comedy? Yeah. Is I think it? it's a comedy drama. It's so funny. Yeah, but if to me, if Succession is a drama, so is the bear. I know. I see why they did it as a comedy. Is there a difference between dramatic comedy and comedic drama? Yeah, I think so. So the bear is dramatic comedy. I think Succession the, is... No, I think that the bear is comedy drama. And I think that Succession is dramatic comedy. Interesting. Yeah. Is it like the first word is the most important That's thing? That's what I kind of the think. Su- succession is more drama. I think so. But yeah, they they did well. The categories in this are insane. They're so weird. It's like when The Martian won best comedy drama. And The Martian was really funny. Don't get me wrong. That was not a comedy. That Mm-mm. was a... That was that was a drama film with occasional great work from Matt Damon. Not yeah. occasional, the whole he was fantastic in that whole movie. I'm so sorry. It was great. The the categories is cooked though, I don't understand it. Yeah, it kinda of sounds like they're just like throwing magnets at a fridge and seeing what comes this up. This is why no one trusts the golden globes. Yeah. <laughs> just a joke. But Emma Stone won, which was nice. I still haven't seen poor things. Neither. I haven't seen anything except for Barbie, Oppenheimer, and like the bear and succession. I haven't seen many of the movies. Because some be things honest. haven't even come out yet. Like we haven't this been able to see thing. all of us strangers. We haven't been able to see May, no. December. And I saw on like, it was really interesting. I saw on Osman Fruki, um, our king on his Instagram. And he posted like a picture of um, the nominees and the winners of one category. And he was like, four out of the five of these pictures haven't, they're not out yet. So it's like, mm. how do, how can we, like we sit here talking about things and having opinions, but we can't really have them because we haven't seen anything. And I feel bad for the marketing departments of those movies and of those distributors because already it looks like they've been snubbed. And even <laughs> even if you know how awards work, yeah. you're still going to look at it and go, oh, do I have to see it? I know. And it's like, well, I want to see it. Like I, I want to see, see all these things. Yeah. It got me excited for like other movies. Like Paul, mm. when Paul Giamatti won, 
um i was like i love paul giametti and the holdovers sounds great like that got me excited yeah it just kind of shits me that i can't see certain things like i want to see may december may december let me see may december i've been wanting to watch may december for yonks why is it that these movies are already out in say like us uk is it just distribution racks? I don't know. Well, I don't understand particularly with that because that May December, the film with uh, Julianne Moore and Natalie Portman, is on Netflix. And it's Netflix. And sorry, I'm sorry, and Charles Melton. I'm like, the, the, my mother's not going to know who Charles Melton is, but you should. But oh no, mummy, do know because you said he looked really handsome in my fashion place. And she's right. And she's <laughs> right. That man is a god, but he's also a king because the pipeline of Riverdale to the Golden Globes is not really assured. Uh, and he wasn't even a main player of Riverdale. He was like definitely an outlier. He was like one of like Archie's friends or something. Yeah, he was um, Reggie, Veronica's like on and off boyfriend. And he was a he was recast. Like yeah, he, he wasn't the original Reggie. I was really pissed off when the original Re- Reggie <laughs> left. I loved him. What's happened to him? I can't remember his name. Um, but <laughs> really important stuff. But I was really glad the Succession won. I was glad that Matthew McFadden won. Sarah Snook. Oh, 1,000%. Um, I was mad that Riley Keough didn't win for Daisy Jones. I just felt wanted Daisy Jones to win one thing. Yeah, I, I did feel know. a bit bad. But going, I get it. It's a girls series, like going up against these massive... <laughs> but I get it. But I get it. I get it. Yeah. I want it to win a Grammy. I want it to win for the album. Definitely. Like it needs to win. Barbie was another one that was kind of... That I, was a, I hate the word snubbed. It was snubbed though. But it won that stupid fucking participation award. That was ridiculous. Basically, it's cinematic and box office achievement. It's basically, oh, what made the most money? Yeah, why are you pitying me? That feels so bad. Which I get. I get why they wanted like a kind of popular vote. It wasn't even a popular vote, but like one, you know, one for like the plebs because not everyone's fucking going to go watch Maestro. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's like... Recognition's recognition have this like fourth yeah. place ribbon. And then Taylor Swift didn't even win. She only came for this one award and she did not win. I would have been supremely pissed off if I was her. But then they needed to give Barbie something. There was um, some memes that came out of the ceremony as well. Two of the big ones were like Timothy Chalamet and Kylie Jenner. Mm. Mm. Kind of, what were they doing? Canoodling? Nuzzling each other? I believe that they're in love. Do you? I do. I love this for you. I, I love this for you. the videos of them. They just look like nothing else matters. No one else is in the room. He looks like he's 12 and she looks like she's 40 in some of those angles. Yeah. I, she I, happens. No, I know. I did love what she was wearing as well. What were they talking about though? I don't know. Did you see? I saw one tweet and it was like... um Kylie being like, baby, I'm so sorry you didn't win the Oscar. And then <laughs> Timmy being like, ah, oh, this is not the Oscars, babes. Um, I saw yeah. a, one of those lip readers. Oh, yeah. I just went onto the Daily Mail. Yeah. And they've, they've lip read um, their conversation. I don't want to hear it because I feel like it'll just, just dissipate my brain cells. I saw one where they're just like talking about his necklace and she's like, I just want this in black. Oh, my God. It's that. I, I did like the necklace. I like his Cartier stuff. And he was wearing, um, I mean, we're gonna about to talk about the fashion, but I just have to mention that... Um, he wore this amazing Cartier crash watch, which mm. is like the crashes, this beautiful watch. And I'm not, not going to go on a whole watch tangent because what's more annoying than that? But it's a beautiful women's Cartier crash because um, only the women's like have the diamonds and it's like worth like nearly 200 grand. And I'm like, yeah, you know what? Whatever. Good for him. But um, I saw that and I enjoyed because he's a big Cartier boy and he had this great the Cartier necklace again. But I, but yeah, he was feeling to me a bit derivative last yesterday. Yeah, I wasn't able to 
Oh, the men are bore-bore. What, what did you think about, um, before we get fully into the fashion, what did you think about the whole Taylor Swift, Selena Gomez thing? Funny. I thought it was funny. <laughs> so there's this, like, this whole thing that's now a meme of like Taylor and Selena and Kaylee Teller, Miles Teller's wife, who for some reason was there. Um, they were like having this big DM, which I was obsessed with, but apparently, allegedly, if one believes such things, <laughs> that it was about Selena wanted to take a photo with Timothy and then Kylie said no. Yeah. Many things wrong with this story, I think, personally. Like, what do you think it's legit? No. <laughs> I want it to be legit. I want it to be legit. But I don't think it is. I just don't think it is. I, I think we look at these people like they're little goldfish. Yeah. Although they were lip reading that too, but like yeah. Selena was in a movie with Timothy. Like she doesn't have to fucking ask Kylie Jenner for a photo with Timothy Chalamet. Yeah. And also like they're not fans. No. <laughs> I woke up this morning actually to a group text about it um, being like, well, what do you think it was about? Um, my friend Andrea. And she was like, do you think it's because, and I think this is like, fair enough. It's like, cause he's with Kylie, but then Selena was with, Justin and he was so close to the Kardashian Jenners like and I was like oh my god my brain is like overheating yeah at all. and because Taylor hates the Kardashians because of Kim and do you think it was a whole thing and I was like honestly now that you've said it it makes sense to me but also I just don't I don't know it's still very like Charlie Day with the notice board oh to- yeah yeah 100% yeah yeah which is me basically all the time but particularly when stuff like this happens so that those were two kind of memeable moments obviously there were others uh but those were the two big ones but in terms of the fashion so you you said you were not super impressed with the men i was super impressed with the men i mean when are we they yeah they really when are we i think most memorable thing was pedro pascal's little sling oh the sling loved it thought he looked cute is he okay is it i can fix him (laughs) i was a big fan of jonathan bailey naturally as always in he was in Givenchy, i believe uh i thought charles melton in armani gorge Um, obviously you guys can't see these looks so we'll post some online but i also did a big uh fashion police on my Instagram, as I do every award show. Uh, so my Instagram is, you I mean, everyone who listens to this should <laughs> fucking follow me. But if you don't, um, it's at Cosima Tony. If you don't follow her, which you probably do. But if you don't, it is, she is generally my only source of like outfit news and commentary during any red carpet or awards event. As it should be, honestly. But um, it's, they're saved on my highlights. So like all the way back to like 2019, I think. Um but yeah, lots of chats there about things. I thought Charles Martin was great. I thought those were mainly it for the boys. I thought yeah, they were the only two that I, I thought. That Jeremy Allen White was hot, but like I didn't think there was anything life changing about his outfit other than it was Calvin Klein. Yeah, Barry Kogan. I liked his big earring. Yeah, that was very Henry the Eighth. I thought <laughs> like very Tudors, uh, and I thought his top half was nice. Didn't like the. He always does like a kind of funky color, he something does different. Something. His face is different. Do you think this? Uh, as in a bit fillery? Yeah. I think it looks like he's had his tear troughs done or something. Oh, well, can you have those done? Yeah. Oh my God. If you've got like kind of like hollow eyes. Really? You can get them like filled out. And oh my it'll, God. Not me looking super interested it looks in this. Like it fully changes the look of people's faces. He does look a bit different. He looks yeah. kind of like um, very like 
because he was obviously ripped in salt burn, but his yeah. face looks ripped now too. I don't really know how it's to describe it. It's the bodybuilder look. Yeah, I don't know how to describe it beyond that. It was yeah. like Zac Efron and Iron Claw still, which I haven't seen. Um, I don't think I'll see that. I kind of want to, but I also don't know if I have the emotional capacity to. I saw a tweet that said it's Little Women for Men. <laughs> As for girls, yeah. who were your standouts? I loved Io in Prada. I loved Brie Larson in Prada. Are we sensing a theme here? I loved Rosamund Pike in Dior. I loved I loved Hunter Schaefer in Prada. I mean, to be honest, she won the night. For She's me. ethereal. She is she a fairy to me. Is amazing. And I need to see the Hunger Games. Um, you do. Because, okay, so my first day of holidays, I watched all of the Hunger Games. Yeah. Did I tell you this? No. I watched all the Hunger Games in one afternoon. That is a full so, afternoon. I couldn't even sit through Oppenheimer. <laughs> no, so my last day of work was like a half day and I finished at 12.30 and by one o'clock I was on the couch and I was like, what am I going to do? And then I was like, oh, I've really been wanting to watch Hunger Games because I've only seen the first two. Mm. And so I just sat there and watched all of them and I sat on the couch from about one o'clock till like 11, mm. I think. And then at various points, like flatmate Tom would come through and he'd be like, are you still going? And I'd be like, yeah, yeah. It's like, and I went through the full course of the human emotion spectrum that, that afternoon naturally that's like taking a step back into 2012 i know and i'm that last movie was a real slog i've got to be honest i haven't watched it oh you haven't (laughs) don't watch it i didn't like it it was really upsetting actually it was really like emotionally trauma have you read the books i i'm pretty sure that i did when i was like 13 because i haven't read the books but i don't want to spoil the most traumatizing thing. So anyway, but Hunter Schaefer is in the new Hunger Games and I've got to watch it. I keep listening to the soundtrack. I'm very into the soundtrack. Mm. I thought she was great. Who else did you think was good? I or if you didn't think anyone was good, we can have that conversation too. Loved Meryl Streep, goes without saying. Gorgeous, wonderful. That was a huge slay. She looked amazing. She, it kind of gave me like Karl Lagerfeld. Gave me Karl Lagerfeld. I said in my fashion place, it gave me very Christine Baranski at the Met, mm, yeah. which I loved. Obviously... Uh, two queens from Mamma Mia, Tanya and Donna. Uh, but I, I really liked it. I thought it was cool because she usually plays it very safe on the red carpet. She's usually very boring. I never really would think about even putting her in fashion place because it's just boring. But but this was very like glitzy. She came through Mama this year. Yeah, thanks, it. Meryl. I also, my favorite, favorite, favorite of the night was Natasha Leone in Scaparelli. Oh, in Scaparelli, really. So someone messaged me being like, do you think she's on a Zempic? Oh, probably. Do you reckon she's I, quite thin now? Yeah, I think it's not just to kinda... again. We're talking about people's bodies, but did you think she was at the Olympic? Yeah, I think it's just kind of a given if someone's yeah, yeah gotten like thin over the past two years. Yeah, presumably. I thought she looked great. She did look great. I love Scaparelli, but I kind of felt like it's been like a bit oversaturated. We've seen it a lot, and that's what um, Jose Corrales and Zueta was saying. He was like, "I'm sick of Scaparelli." Yeah, which, I get. which is such a shame because they're such intricate pieces, so distinctive as well. Yeah, you remember them. Yeah, like, I don't remember every single person who wore Louis Vuitton, and I don't no, really want to. <laughs> no one wants. No, I wish I could scrub that from my brain. That and other favorite, Gillian mm. Anderson. She was loved a Gabriella Gabriel Hurst. Hurst, but it had they there were I didn't know this. Did you see that they were, they were vaginas yeah, on the dress? Yeah, embroidered vagines. Love it. I love this. As that's in honor of her character from um, Sex Education. If anyone is wondering, she's very special. I love that, and I I did love Natalie Portman in Dior. I thought she looked beautiful, and I really liked Greta Lee in Loewe. Yes. I just would. I love Loewe. I love Greta Lee, and I loved. Yeah, I could just keep going, but there were some good good um outfits this year i thought and it got me keen for 
the Oscars and just for everything else, really. For the year. Got me keen for the year. Got me stressed for the Met, Met Gala. Oh, yeah. Bring on 2024. We've got to do an emergency episode for the Met Gala, I reckon. Oh, definitely. Yeah, I think so. Let's do it. Um, I'm so fine with that. But that's the Golden Globes. Do, you, do we have any other thoughts on this other than like... How similar do you think the Oscars is going to be next Great month? question. Yeah, I don't know. I feel Robert Downey Jr. has basically got to unlock for Best Supporting. I reckon surely Christopher Nolan for Best Director. Mm. I'd like it to be Greta, but I'm not sure. If they snubbed her for Little Women, I can't imagine them giving it to her for Barbie. No. And we don't even know who's nominated yet. There's not been nominations out yet, but... I think it's pretty safe to assume that, like, the nominations will be very similar. Oh, I think so. And I I hope that Anatomy of a Fall wins stuff again, because I loved that Justine Triette won, and she looked so chic in French, you know? They cleaned up. And I thought that... I do think that Maestro surely has got to win something. Definitely. Um, Maybe cinematography. Oh, no, maybe Oppenheimer will win cinematography. God, who knows? There's too many awards. So many awards. And we've got the Emmys as well. God, which yeah. I think That's will next look week. Yeah. Yeah. Yikes. Predictions are Succession, The Bear. Yeah. The Crown. Oh, Elizabeth Debicki won. Oh my God, yeah. We didn't even talk about Elizabeth Debicki. Yeah. Our Elizabeth. Um, I was very happy that she won. I'm a huge Elizabeth Debicki fan. I think she's great. Yeah. And I think she was uh, Princess Diana in The Crown. Yeah. She looks very similar. She had the mannerisms. Part of me is kind of like, oh, is it is it like giving a Golden Globe to an Elvis impersonator? That's an interesting one. But I, she did a good job. I think like, she you did can't a good, dispute but that. But it's like when Austin Butler won it, and he's yeah. you know like. And maybe maybe we should give all the Elvis impersonators. Yeah. Well, this is this is the thing. It's like maybe we should award comedy more at the yeah. Oscars. Do you know what I mean? And then that opens up a bigger conversation. I think maybe we should take things seriously that aren't war movies, bomb movies, biopics three hours long it's these awards shows they are still quite male and it's what is going to appeal to the grandfathers in the room and I also think it's like I mean I know that I am a bit like this but it's a bit elitist I think it's like I'm not I mean I will go to the movies to see it but it's like not everyone is going to go to the movies to see a film that is spanning 50 years of Leonard Bernstein's life. Not everyone who knows who Leonard Bernstein is. Not everyone's going to go see Oppenheimer. I feel like more people will go see Oppenheimer than that. Not everyone is going to go and see like whatever it is. But people are going to go see freaking Barbie. Yeah. And people are going to go see other things. And it's like, let's take it back to like 1989 when, when Harry Met Sally was nominated for an Oscar. As it should have been. Again, who was having that conversation? <laughs> that conversation. That's what I want to talk about. Exactly. When Bridesmaids was nominated. And there's, it's just a split between the serious movies and the unserious movies. And, and I think comedy's actually harder to pull off, to be honest, because anyone can be dramatic. Not everyone can be funny, as we know from Joe Coy. Especially like wide-reaching comedy, something yeah. that can appeal to a wide audience, a diverse audience. 100%. And something that isn't intellectual. Like sometimes I yeah. don't want to sit down and think. I've had a no. long day at work. Oh, God. No way. That's why everyone wants to disassociate constantly. Why do you think that nostalgia was so in over the pandemic? Why do you think everyone's watching Gilmore Girls? Exactly. Because we're all like so anxious and stressed. And like we don't want to sit down and watch, you know, whatever. Sometimes unserious is exactly what we want and exactly what we need. I agree. I think that more comedies should be nominated. Yes. Let's just let's just take art seriously. Let's take all art seriously. Yes. Enough with the hoity-toityness. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Sometimes I like the hoity-toityness, but, I, but, but for this, I'm like, no. Let's just 
Let's just think about it. It's balance. It's like, I agree. Because one year, Beauty and the Beast was nominated for Best Screenplay. Let's bring it back. You know, I want Shrek to be nominated for Best Screenplay (laughs) again. That was great. Or like any other, you know, great movie. It's like, just because it's for kids or it's funny and we're not like having to have water cooler discussions about it, like it's still just as worthy of nomination. Moving on from the Golden Globes. (laughs) Something else really big has happened this week. Gypsy Rose Blanchard has, I think, one of those stories that's so morbid that it's entertaining and we are sick. And it's been hashed out like again and again and again in like docos and movies. And now we're here and we simply can't ignore it. So if you've heard the name, stay tuned. But if you don't know the details, stay tuned. Gypsy was released from a Missouri prison last month. She's on parole after serving 8.5 years of her 10-year sentence. In 2016, she pleaded guilty to second-degree murder because she persuaded her boyfriend at the time to stab her mother to death. But there's a bit of context behind behind the stabbing of the mother. That's the hook. Stay tuned. Yeah, that's so, the hook. That's the hook. Backstory in a nutshell. Gypsy grew up allegedly suffering from leukemia, muscular dystrophy, vision and hearing impairments, and seizures. She was wheelchair-bound, allegedly, and had a feeding tube and often oxygen tanks. Literally so grim. Grim de la freaking grim. In and out of hospital, she didn't know her real age because as it came out, if she was over 18, she would have a say in the medical treatment she received. And over time, she discovered, after suspicions, she discovered that she wasn't unwell. And her mother, Dee Dee, who acted as her full-time carer, allegedly had Munchausen by proxy and exercised control over Gypsy in a medical sense. It's just one of those horrible stories. Really awful. And it it's it didn't sit well with the public because they lived in a house built by a charity they lived on welfare payments they gained access to like donations and celebrity meet and greet they were big in like the make a wish thing weren't they yes huge in that and this was all because gypsy was disabled when she wasn't so not her fault her mum's fault her mum's fault so awful Awful story of abuse. Yeah. Dee allegedly didn't let Gypsy have technology. She didn't really have communication with anyone outside of the immediate community. And as she grew older and Gypsy kind of gained more agency and started questioning things, the abuse would get worse and she couldn't escape. She managed to have a secret online relationship for two years. And it was that man who carried out the murder. And this is where it gets really dark. Gypsy and Dee had a joint Facebook page and family friends were alerted to a disturbance in the force when Gypsy posted, that bitch is dead. Oh my God. And so the police traced the IP address to the boyfriend's house. It's not very subtle, is it's it? It's not Gypsy. subtle. He also posted something incredibly heinous and they were both arrested. And the boyfriend is also serving life still because oh, he's the one that carried jail. it out. And part of Gypsy's parole is that she's not allowed to contact him. But she said he doesn't have a television and seeing her everywhere now. Yeah. She said that she doesn't want to contact him anyway because she feels responsible for putting him in that position. Yikes. Which is... There's a bit to unravel there. A good old moral dilemma. Yeah. So anyway, after all of that, all that good old darkness, she's out and she has... She's viral. Like she's become a full-on sensation. She's huge now. Yeah. She has 8 million followers on Instagram and 9.2 million on TikTok, which was briefly hacked, but that's showbiz, baby. Oh, really? Oh, God. I was on a TikTok this morning and I didn't know that. (laughs) And she's married now. She's married now. To Ryan something. I don't know his last name. 
and she's she wrote on Instagram that the D is fire. Happy wife, she happy life. She's very happy with him. I okay. So there's been a lot of talk about Gypsy and like, should we be making her a celebrity? And like, she's because she's on TV, she's online, she's on TikTok. Da 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 da. What do you think about this? I feel like it's very much like the car accident situation. You can't look away because mm. it's just there's so much mystery, but it also I don't know if this is a phrase. But it feels like kind of cultural voyeurism. Oh, totally. I feel like I'm looking in on her life. Yeah, we're so pervy when it comes to like private lives, especially things we don't understand and things that we don't see often, like depraved stories and insane people. Because you don't really get to see people who've like basically ordered a hit on their mum interviewed on like GMA. It's the fact that she's real. Like, yeah, it's like a movie to us, but she's real. And now we know that she's 32 and she's never had a life. She yeah. went from being wheelchair bound when she didn't need to be and abused by her own mother for 20 I mean, years. Two, yeah, 24, 25. She was like 24 or 25 when her mum was killed. When she was 23, she was under the belief that she was 18. Which is just, it's ridiculous. And it's just, it's awful. I think it's, yeah. I mean, what do you think about us being like, slayed, gypsy, yas queen? I think that's weird, but it's also just like a a testament to the internet now. Yeah. Nothing makes sense. Nothing's reasonable. Yeah. We don't understand that real things are real. And we also just love to have a thing that we all bond over. I find it interesting because it's like we're being told to be interested in it because people saw the interest that her documentary and... And like uh, the TV shows because there, there was a TV show with Joey King and Patricia Arquette. Yes. That looked... I didn't watch it, but you watched it and you said it was really good. Did you say it was good? Or no. you said it was meh? I don't really like it. I just watched it because I like had FOMO and I wanted oh, to fair. see it. That's fair. It's, it's not a recommendation. Don't watch it. But... Well, now we've got the real thing. So... <laughs> it's just it, the internet now. Mm. It wouldn't have happened 10 years ago, obviously. Oh Things God, didn't no. go viral no, in all. such a silly way. That's all the internet is. It's very, very silly. But also... So many influencers and commentators are talking about it. And so we're naturally intrigued because we think what they have to say we're is just, going to be interesting we're to just us. We're sheep, basically. We're being led by people who are talking about it. Exactly. And now you're sheep because you're listening to us talk about it. So the enjoy. Continues. So it's just this like weird mixture of we're interested in it, but why mm. are we interested in it? And it doesn't, nothing matters, but it, oh, this is actually a really dark story. I feel like people just love to hear about people who have gone through horrendous crimes and people who have like come out the other side. I think it's why a lot of people are obsessed with like survivors. It's like when you survive being, well, she, you know, she wasn't being murdered, but like, it's like when people, someone survives being murdered or like they're thrown down a ravine or whatever. And it is very pervy, but it's... Yeah, or like the guy who cut off his arm, the 127 hours guy. It's like any person who's gone through any kind of like fucked hardship, people are obsessed with. Yeah, our ears naturally prick up. It's the human condition and it's only made worse by... Social media. Social media and the internet as it is today. And it, that's the whole reason that true crime is a genre. Oh, totally. A very, very lucrative genre. Sue me, I love it. Yeah, I'm happy for Gypsy Boy. I, I don't know if I care. But I don't know if I don't care. I care that she's happy <laughs> and not under the influence of her mother. And I'm glad that her ordeal has given more kind of insight into Munchausen by proxy, which is what her mother was suffering from. I just like want her to go live her life and like do her outfit of the day videos. And she's just learning what TikTok is and like social media. And she's talking about how she loves having sex with her husband. 
Imagine coming onto social media now. Well, this is what I think she's doing because she has no idea. There's no etiquette to her. She's just like, oh, I can, I can put this out. She has no idea. The last time she was on Facebook, people were probably being like, Cosy Tony is really happy today. Like it's people posting statuses. Yeah. What does she know? It was updates for your family and friends. Now she's updating the world. This is what's happening. Exactly. And there's no kind of understanding of what an image is. Yes, she would probably be PR up to her eyeballs, but... Nah, more power to her, quite frankly. As long as she's not being taken advantage of. Exactly. Like she was by her mother. I think she should just do whatever she wants. But I did see one TikTok that was like, Gypsy is about to have the same trajectory as Anna Delvey, becoming like an icon for the gays, the girls and the gays. Yeah, but like, because all the gays are always like, oh, mother, like she's serving cunt, like da-da-da-da-da. And I'm like, is Gypsy Bro's mother? I don't, like, I wonder if this will happen. I think it's funny. And the publicity will die down. She's she's only just gone out of jail. Like, she'll do her thing. She's doing the GMAs. She's doing the Today Shows, whatever it is. And then she'll just fade back into obscurity. And we also love a sense of justice. Like, that's Oh, my God. Yeah. The entire reason superheroes exist. Her mother was fucked. She's now, you know, it's hor- obviously horrible, but Gypsy's now living her life. Yeah. And that's justice. And she's, like, done her penance. She's done her time. Yeah. I think we should, I think it's a great story and I think that it's a great thing for her. So sad. But it's just rough that we're all, we all know about it because she had such a terrible time to begin with. Yeah, I think more power to Gypsy Rose. So I think we can watch this space. I I think it might die out soon, but she's always going to be an advocate. I want to see her TikToks. I want her to become an, yeah, an activist. A Munchausen by proxy activist. Auntie. Um, or like get help (laughs) awareness Um, awareness get help babes um but i think it's yeah good for her and good for her that the d is fire she's been in jail for eight and a half years i'm so happy for her get on it like and he seems very funny so yeah it's you're right it's very much cultural voyeurism it is my whole life is cultural voyeurism yeah welcome to this podcast welcome to this podcast where we talk about things (laughs) um speaking of things that are very exciting to us and other people, if you listen to this, um, White Lotus season three, first cast announcement has happened. So hopefully you've watched the White Lotus if you're here. It's the show by Mike White on HBO. It kind of focuses on, it's an anthology series. So it focuses on a different set of people at a different White Lotus hotel, which is like a, what is it? Like a luxury hotel chain around the world. The first season was in Hawaii. Second season was in Italy. Third season will allegedly be in Thailand. And it's by Mike White, who, if you don't know him as Mike White, you should know him as Ned Schneebly from School of Rock, best friend of Jack Black in that movie. He also wrote School of Rock. He's also a big Survivor person and has been on Survivor before. And he also wrote um, all that really good show with um, Laura Dern that I can't remember the name of now. But anyway, it should have won a lot of awards and it didn't. Anyway, he's the creator of The White Lotus and the new season is happening allegedly in Thailand. Uh, one of the stars from season one, Natasha Rothwell, who played Belinda the masseuse, will be in it. And Parker Posey, Jason Isaacs, Michelle Monaghan and Leslie Bibb will also be joining Natasha. So that's what we know so far. Jason Isaacs is the Harry Potter one. He's the yeah, Lucius Malfoy. Okay. He's such a slay. I love him. <laughs> I'm most excited for parker posey oh i think we all are we all i are. love parker posey she's an icon she is and if you're not familiar party girl is one of my all-time favorite movies so i haven't seen party girl oh, i know i have to. to watch it. i know i have to watch it it's the kind of like 
old that it's on YouTube, just as like a, someone's oh, really? a cool video. I love how it's like old, but it's like from 1997. Yeah. <laughs> it's just one of those movies where it's like it slips through the cracks on YouTube. Oh, fun. Okay, I've been, I actually was thinking I need to work out where to get it that's like not on Criterion Collection because I can't afford that right now. I loved her in You've Got Mail. Have you yeah. seen You've Got Mail? Of course. Of course, of course. <laughs> I just want to check. Um, I just want to check. When um, and she's here. Tom Hanks's girlfriend, Patricia. And it's like, she's described by like, Patricia makes coffee nervous. <laughs> like she's so hectic in it. I actually love her in that movie. She's really good. She's so good. It's like, she has no conscience and is just like actually unhinged. I feel like she's like, I would be her rather than Meg Ryan. <laughs> no probably me too i would just be like talking 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 no concept of like what's going on um i love her i think she'll be really really fun she was also in the sweetest thing she was the bride oh my God, at the she wedding was with um what's her face um cameron, cameron diaz. diaz and she was also in um best in show and she was in Josie and the pussycats which i've never watched but i saw a clip her cv is incredible she's so good and she's been very like under the radar she's a true indie queen because she's never gone like super mainstream i feel like it's very much like if you know you know yeah she's like the everyone in new york loves her stuff like you know what i mean definitely and i think mike white just has that has an eye for picking those kind of people and i'm so excited to see her and i think um jason isaacs aka lucius malapai from harry potter will be really really good i'm not a harry potter girl so that was really scary (laughs) oh (laughs) oh my god i'm sorry (laughs) <laughs> Lucius Malfoy <laughs> I love him he's great like independent of Lucius as well he's been in some great stuff he was um Captain Hook in Peter Pan with the hot oh, Peter Pan yeah Jeremy Sumter everyone knows Jeremy Sumter and I know that he was a child but I was a child too when I first thought he was hot and everyone everyone knows who what I mean when I say hot Peter Pan come on um Grow up. yeah he was Captain Hook and he was the dad he played like both characters. Oh, yeah. That's so interesting. I never knew that. I there you go. Time to go watch Peter Pan again. Peter Pan again. I loved that movie. Anyway, he'll be great. And then Leslie Bibb, who I haven't seen anything in Yonks. She's married to Sam Rockwell and of Charlie's Angels fame and many other things. But I just think of him from Charlie's Angels. And she was in Confessions of a Shopaholic. She was um, Alicia Bitch Longlegs. Yeah. Uh, Amazing. It's like terrible haircut that was very like Lord Farquhar. You know what I mean? It's like the fringe with it. You know, just, you know, if it's you've seen sharp. the movie, you know. And yeah. Michelle Monaghan. Love. I love her. I love her. In Maid of Honor. Amazing. Oh, that was such and a good movie. What's the Nicholas Sparks one? Oh God, I was reading about um, this one today with James Marsden. Yeah. For some reason I was going through all of the best, Nicholas the Sparks best of, things. The best of me? Yeah. Yeah. I haven't seen it. I was going through all the Nicholas Sparks ones that I have seen. Turns out I've only seen two. I've only seen a, a, what's the one with, um, I was about to say an affair to remember, a walk to remember and the notebook are the only two I've seen. Have you seen The Choice? No. Dear John? No. I haven't. Bro. I'm not very good with those kind of like middle America sad movies. It's all like, oh, I'm sad in North Carolina. You know what I mean? I'm obsessed with that kind of movie. I just don't really fuck with it. I love Michelle Monaghan. I loved her in Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, which the real ones will know was Robert Downey Jr.'s comeback movie. One of the best movies of 2005. Just please look it up. It's just, it's on Stan. Uh, It's also a Christmas movie. I watched it last Christmas. And she's been underserved recently, I think, with the cameoing in Mission Impossible movies. Yeah, I don't think she's, she's been in so much, but she hasn't really gotten her due. She needs to have 
the career that she needs to have. Do you know what I mean? It's like with Jennifer Coolidge. It's like he picks – Mike White picks someone who's – and Leslie Bibb. They've had like mid-careers for the past like 15 years. He's going to bring them back. Yeah. Let's not be surprised if Leslie Bibb is going to be getting a Golden Globe or an Emmy in like two years' time. Really, really good. If we ever say anything on this podcast and you're like, I've never seen that, watch it. Yeah, just fucking watch it because we have really good taste. We have (laughs) – thank you we have really good taste we do and I know some of my stupid friends not stupid friends I love you all some of my friends not mentioning names Madison uh knows that I will recommend something and say it's really really good but it's subjective because I think really really good is also you know not everyone's really really good but I'll say it I think everything's really really good and also some things you don't have to think they're really, really good. It's just kind of a cultural moment yeah, just you just watch need them. to engage. Just watch it so then we can talk about it. Anyway, so that is White Lotus. I'm excited. I went and saw Mike White and Jennifer Coolidge at Vivid <gasps> last year. You went and saw them. I didn't – oh, I really wanted to go. Was, was, was it good? It was really good. I was so far up in the nosebleeds and it was kind of the start of the strikes. So they weren't oh. sure what they could and couldn't talk about. So they – it was just oh – God, that's so long ago then. Wow. Yeah, it was Wowie. just them chatting. I love that. But he was just talking about the next season was yeah. going to be a big one. It was mm. going to be a supersized version. Really? And he seemed, in his very Mike White way, he seemed really passionate and he seemed really excited. So I am really keen for that. I want them to do one in Australia. Oh, can you imagine? I just think it would be. Where would it be? Oh. I, mean, I feel like I want it to be Byron, but I feel like that's a low hanging fruit. Yeah, there was. Yeah, I don't know where though. I feel like there's nowhere that I'd want to see on screen. I feel like nah. I feel like Gold Coast has too much nuance that you just can't capture for an American audience. Yeah, I feel like it would just it would just become we're too easily caricatured. Yeah, I think like after watching Anyone But You, which we will talk about in another episode, the movie with Sydney Sweeney and Glenn Powell, which is set in Sydney, it was just like, is this really how Americans see yeah. Australia? I was like, this is not how we live. We're just silly I love that guys. you think that, but no. So, yeah, I don't know why they'd said it. No. I'm keen. I'm keen for this one, though. I'm keen for anything Mike White does. And I'm keen for, yeah, more White Lotus. I'm ready for a new, you know what I'm ready for? A new theme song. Yes. What are they going to do? Can they beat the Italian, like, house disco? Because that was wonderful. I feel like I really, that was an era of, like, appointment viewing. Last year, it was, like, HBO really, like, was fucking knocking it out of the park. It was, like, White Lotus, then House of the Dragon, then, like... The Last of Us, then Succession. I was like, that was like months of my life. Every Monday, that was a time and a half to be living in a share house. I was loving life. That was so good. Every it was like everyone watched at least something. Yeah. And then on Fridays it would be Daisy Jones. Oh. And then the summer no, it would be Summer Time Pretty, and then Daisy Jones. Oh, we're all just girls. We're all just girls. Just girls, girling. But um, speaking of girls, oh my god, yeah. We have a TikTok rumor. <laughs> Paul Meskel of Paul Meskel fame, <laughs> Ireland fame. My God, Ireland fame. Sorry, I don't know why I said it like that. Oh, that was so pizzazzy. Thank you. He allegedly meets women in bars around North London. Part of this is that he begs for threesomes. That's all he wants. I don't... I don't back that. I don't back any of it. He's so, like, kind of low-key. I can't imagine him being like... Please, please, please. Yeah, I can't imagine him wanting a threesome. But again, let's not... We don't know. Yeah, and that's not even the worst part. So he eventually takes someone home and the next morning they go for a walk to some kind of park, whatever park in London, 
And in the middle of the chat, he just bolts. He literally legs it away from them. Like he runs off. He runs off. And that's it. That's them done. I have several questions. I have so many questions. There was also part of this TikTok where the girl said he's also still hung up on his ex-fiance, Phoebe Bridges, who is now with Bo Burnham. Yeah. The comedian dude. He allegedly wails in pubs about her. Sorry, the, the, the imagery of it is really funny to me. It is really funny. I don't think any of it's true, but I love it. Like, I think that is such a funny rumor. I like that it's transcended to becoming like actual news off TikTok. But because there's been a lot of TikTok, like joke TikToks of girls like training to run. And like, they're like, get, get your joggers on. Like, I'm not going to let Paul beat me and stuff. But um, I just have take issue with the logistics of this. So you're saying he takes someone home. Well, you're not saying the internet is saying he takes someone home, whether it not be two people of a threesome or one singular person, and then takes the trouble of taking them to a park the next morning and then runs off. Yeah. What if this is some assuming that they're only ever going back to his house because he must live near a park or does he go back to their house and then he makes them find a park? Or he's like, we should go for a walk to a park and then runs off. It's like, shouldn't you just leave? And is he making sure they have their purse with them? Is he making sure that they had a way home? Like, what if they lived in like, I don't know, Manchester and they needed a three hour Uber? Yeah. What are you going to do? He'd be like, get to the train station, babes. (laughs) Off you pop. But it's like, I don't get it. It's like, yeah, do they always come back to his house and he's got a pre-planned park to go to the next morning? Or does... Does he have to make sure that if he goes back to their house, there's always a park near? What if you live in somewhere where there's no park? It, does he Does he have like a whole Google Maps saved folder? Sure, I think he like pins the parks. Yeah. And it, it could be like little ones. It could be big ones. It could be like shared common areas. I don't know though. I just feel like the park is so like, it's so public. I like that that's what you're getting hung up on. Not not the actual I just think legging it's stupid. I just think it's stupid. He should just leave in the morning. Like I just find it stupid that it's like the park is a thing. That's what I find weird. That's what I'm getting hung up on. I'm like, whatever, he leaves. It's a one night stand. Like, it makes sense to me, in his, like, because he's famous. It's obviously very hard for him to find a legitimate connection because everyone wants him to be Connell yeah. from normal people. But it's like, the park is what I take issue with. I... And where's he running to? Like, <laughs> does he run home? Is he getting an Uber? Is he getting the tube? Like, if someone, I love it. I think if someone made up this rumor about me, I would applaud them. A, for thinking that I was that fit. Literally, I was about to say. I was like, my friends would never think that I would do that because they'd be like, Cozzy running, bitch, please. But also, I just think it's so original and it's funnier to me because it's Paul Meskel. Like, he's had a good run, excuse the pun, but he was in such an untouchable category of fame. He's like a baby girl. He's a baby girl man of the internet. He was indie for so long. Like, he wasn't mainstream enough to attract an urban legend. Now he has. I know he has and it's so bizarre, but it's so funny. So if you see memes about Paul Meskel, that's what they're talking about. At least it's like a funny urban legend because some celebrity urban legends are really cooked. Like how there's that one about Richie Gere putting a gerbil up his butt. Sorry. (laughs) Have you not heard about that? It's like been a legend for like 30 years. Something about a gerbil or something. Um, I don't think that says anything about me that I didn't know that. Yeah, no, I think it's so fine. (laughs) I don't even know how I know it, but I mean, I'd rather... No, want to be known from running away than a gerbil I think it's I'm more hung up on the logistics of the exercise to be honest mm. and I also think it's fucking embarrassing not embarrassing but can you imagine going to a pub and crying about your famous ex-girlfriend to some normal people like to a regular person I couldn't do it no no would you chase after Paul if he was running from you depends how limber I'm feeling that day 
Okay. I thought you were going to say depends on how fast he's running away from you. <laughs> he's just full like man sprinting. Oh, depends on my mental state. Depends on how much energy I have. Mm. Because yeah, if it's if it's at his place, I know where he lives. Yeah, you if can just I, go back there. I'll just go back and be like... Become a regular at all the local haunts. <laughs> hey, question, what was that? I feel like it's a, like that thing of if you chased him, it'd be like in, you know, in my best friend's wedding at the end, <laughs> when it's like um, Julia Roberts is chasing Dermot Mulroney and then Rupert Everett's like, you're chasing him, who's chasing you? And then it's like she realises that no one's chasing her. It's exactly that. I Basically, I mean, you could, yeah. It's a real life, my best friend's wedding. Yeah. I just don't know if I believe this. I don't believe it at all. I but think it's. it's funny. I just think it's funny. Yeah, like so, I love the internet. Thanks for coming with us on that journey. We're gonna go stretch and run. Yeah, I'm gonna run home. <laughs> not really. I'm in Balmain. I'm not running See, home. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna run across the Anzac Bridge. Um, People do that. Yeah. Who? Couldn't be me. Anyways. <laughs> Couldn't be me. Um, well, thank you so much for joining us on our first ep of 2024. Um, we hope you enjoyed. Sorry if we rambled a lot. I actually don't apologize because everything we say yeah. is great. Follow us on Instagram and all the socials and... Big things coming this year. Stay tuned. Come back next week. Yeah. Tell your friends. Tell your family. That's all. Bye. Bye.